Thank you, musicians, uh, those uh, on the platform, and uh, thank you to all of you, the sound and the ushers, our nursery workers, uh, everybody that's making this evening possible uh, for those that are watching, but also for those that are here. We thank God for your ministry. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 is what we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, I read a, uh, in the newspaper that a portion uh, the proportion of students in England that have been awarded first-class degrees has more than doubled in a decade, uh, the university watchdog says. Now, whilst that is not a slam on those that have worked extremely hard, they are concerned about grade inflation. But we study to succeed. We read to grow. We plan our career path for success. We spend years preparing for a career that may change at any time, yet we devote very little time for preparing for a relationship that is supposed to last a lifetime. And I'm speaking of marriage. Some of you are doing well on your job because you've learnt how to get on with your boss. When you're working, you have to learn how to navigate the workplace. But it is possible to work hard at negotiating relationships on the workplace but have spent no time in learning how to get on with our spouse. In the book, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men that every man probably in the house should read, he says these words and he quotes another author and the quote is, Tomorrow's illiterate will not be the man who can't read, he will be the man who has not learned how to learn. We're living in a time when men are not learning. Now, I'm going to preach on uh, a marital master's degree, a master's degree for marriage. Now, I've had numbers of conversations in the last few weeks to numbers of couples about marriage, and so if you, th you may think that I wrote this sermon uh, in response to your issues. I haven't. I didn't. I do pray that it helps you. However, the actual birthing of this sermon came out of a discussion about whether the devil can read your mind. So <laughs> we went from there, uh, and you'll see how that works later on. Uh, the devil reads your mind, can he, can't he? Actually, he can't, but he studies man. And then it went from there into a degree on marriage. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, 
and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Success, firstly, comes through study. We're talking about watching to understand. When a fisherman goes out to fish, he doesn't just put anything on his hook. He has learnt from his own experience and the experience of others what works for what fish, what time is best to fish, whether it's best to be uh, putting your hook in the, in the shade or in the sun, depending on the fish that you're about to catch. So if you're going to catch and be successful, you've studied, you've learnt. We are all under observation. Modern technology, AI, studies us. If you have a phone, if you have a, use the internet, if in any way uh, uh, they st uh, it studies your purchases, your habits, the times you function, what you look at, what causes a response. And I believe it would be incredibly frightening for us one day to sit with someone that has studied those algorithms and studied our habits, because we are creatures of habits, and I would dare say they could sit down with you after watching and studying and articulate your personality. What makes you tick? what you like, what you don't like, what triggers you, what draws you, simply by watching your behavior and watching your responses. Elite sportsmen, they study their opponents to understand their strengths and weaknesses. They learn the tell, the little quirk that signifies the next move. They tell us that chess Grandmasters can see 15 to 20 moves ahead. You play chess with a grandmaster, he is already thinking 20 moves ahead. He has studied the game. He studied, if you're his opponent, probably you, he's already ahead. So when it comes to our enemy, the devil, for example, he thinks he watches and he plans. He is a student of human nature since the beginning of time and we are urged in Ephesians 6.11 uh, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's a Greek word, uh, methodia, or literally it means schemes. It means to work by method. Listen to this. It refers to an orderly, logical, effective arrangement, usually in steps, followed to achieve an end. When the devil is considering you, he doesn't need to read your mind. He can't. He's not, om he's not omniscient. But he's watched humans for a long time. And he studies. And it describes a deliberate planning, a systematic approach. He has strategies to attend a desired end. There's a book called uh, Screwtape Letters. It's a C.S. Lewis book, again, worth a read. It's a book about an imagined senior devil teaching a younger demon about man and his nature and how to exploit it. And in the book, one quote, he says, tortured fear and stupid confidence are both desirable states of mind. 
To cause somebody to be in fear is one great victory for the enemy. And another great victory is for us to blunder through life with a stupid confidence. In ignorance, but still be confident in ourselves. He has strategies for a desired end. The Bible tells us not to be ignorant of his devices. This is the Greek word neoma or noma. It refers to the content of thinking and reasoning. Stated another way, neoma is the psychological faculty of understanding, reasoning, thinking, and deciding. In other words, the devil has come to conclusions through thinking it through. He gives thought on how to succeed. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's a created being. He's a fallen angel who is actually defeated through Christ, yet he has a hold over much of humanity and afflicts uh, uh, even us sitting here. Why? Because he studied you. So the point that I'm simply making is the very ordinary can have huge advantage if they give themselves to study. A defeated enemy wins because he has studied or can win, often wins, sometimes wins, because he has given himself to thinking things through. Now what that shows us, one, the ordinary can have advantage through giving themselves to understand, and it also shows us why things can change. What I'm trying to say to you is change is within your power. The ability to learn. Ignorance is not bliss. In fact, it's quite a frightening place to be. You can be a good man, but because you feel out of your depth, you have no idea how to be a husband. You have no idea how to love your wife. That fear causes anger, frustration, rough behavior. Jimmy Evans, in his book, Marriage on the Rock, I want to quote from it. He says, ignorance or insecurity causes a man to overcompensate for his lack. When a boy has grown up without a father present in the home, he lacks the appropriate knowledge on how to love a woman from daily observations. Not only is this lack of knowledge dangerous, he will often feel insecure around women. If a boy has been dominated by a mother or has had negative experiences with women in general, his sense of confidence especially can be lacking. Combining these influences can produce a man without, uh, has produced a man without a male role model who did not want to be dominated by women. As a result, he's built walls between himself and the women around him to keep him from being hurt again. Sun Tzu, the strategist, war strategist from centuries ago, said, know the Chinese, said, know the enemy and know yourself in a hundred battles. 
you will never be in peril. Know the enemy and know yourself. In a hundred battles, you will never be in peril. When you're ignorant of the enemy but know yourself, your chances of winning or losing are equal. If you are ignorant of both your enemy and of yourself, you are certain in every battle to be in peril. If you have never thought through why you respond how you respond, if you have never studied and thought through or given understanding why your partner, your wife, uh, uh, responds how she does, the chances are you're going to have a defeated family because success comes through study. Our text says, dwell with understanding. I'm moving through the message now. I've got a quote for you. Don't stop dating your wife and never stop flirting with your husband. Don't stop dating your wife and never stop flirting with your husband. That's actually a huge statement. If we pause right there and you thought about that long enough and considered it, it's a powerful point. Some people have never considered that. Wisdom and understanding makes things easier. A little while ago, it's summer now. I'm sure some of you already have had barbecues. Pastor Chris already has had 326. <laughs> His neighbors must love him. Amen. Smoke the place out. Anyway, so uh, 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 I got the, got the Weber out a little while ago, and, and, uh, but the, the bottom bit kind of came off. So, you know, I'm trying to get it back on. I'm fighting with it. And it couldn't get it on, gave up, went back, it did more work. Next day, came back out, try again, tipped it upside down, tried to fix, couldn't work it out, went back upstairs, did my work. This went on for about three days until Carol came out. <clears throat> she spent just a little time looking, <laughs> a little patience, <laughs> not right, <laughs> what's the matter with this thing? A little patience, and within seconds it was done. When you know what you're doing, when you understand, it's huge. You think you're facing insurmountable mountains, but how a little understanding would change everything. How to give your wife confidence how to take tension out of a situation, how to overlook things, what causes your spouse to speak, what causes them to hear, how to get them to open up. Have you ever not studied for an exam? Have you ever had an exam and you didn't study for it? That's a, that's a, that's a, and, or, or you studied very little and, and, you, and you went to it and it was like, it was It was terrible. When we first get married, we have to study. And the truth is, it's not just when we first get married, because life is complex and ever-changing. But let me say this to you, marriage does not demand perfection, but it must be given priority. 
And the Bible says, dwell with understanding. The Amplified Version says, in the same way, you married men should live considerably, considerately with your wives, with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relationship. In other words, if you're not studying, if you're not reading, if you're not thinking, if you're just winging it, I know you can get by sometimes, I'll never forget my history exam. Last exam, final year. I forgot I had a history exam. Boarding School Australia, woke up, oh, I've got history. I read, and you've heard the story before, I read about, I can't remember, about five uh, uh, old uh, papers, old uh, essays that I'd written, and I think three of them or something like that were in the exam paper. Ha <laughs> ha, woo, you can wing it sometimes. But there's a reason why the Bible says, your, similarly, your hus- you husbands should try to understand the wives you live with. I read a newspaper article, and it said, how much time do you need with your partner? That was the headline. And they were, they'd got some comments from the BBC Newsnight presenter, Emily uh, Maitlis. And she said her and her husband, many of you will have heard of Emily Maitlis, she was the one that did the interview with Prince Andrew. Her husband, Mark Gwynn, is an investment banker and she made the comment they don't see enough of each other. They've been married for 18 years and because of their job, she said in the interview with Good Housekeeping, we're like ships that pass in the night, but she added, it works. And so, you know, I'm not holding her up as the expert of marriage, but in the article, uh, when I read that, I, I did get me to think, well, she's saying, hey, listen, we're happy, we're, we're making it work, because we all do live busy lives. And in the article, it went on to say this, how much time do couples need to spend together for a healthy relationship? It depends on the couple, of course, says relationship counselor Silva Neves. What would, be an, what would be ideal for couples, especially if they have little time, would be to have meaningful contact first thing in the morning. That can be one full minute of a meaningful hug or kiss because that really deepens intimacy. When people come home, do the same thing. If it's possible, send a few texts during the day or even a heart or a kiss emoji. Those are small things that take a little time but make a difference in the connection of couples. Listen to this. It becomes a problem, he says, when people start feeling taken for granted in the relationship. Someone might feel like they're not being seen or heard anymore. In today's world, everything is so fast, and often, listen to these words, people don't take time to be curious about their partner's lives. Couples on average spend, uh, according to the Office of National Statistics, two to two and a half hours a day together, including weekends. Okay. Then it said that time is largely spent watching television. One third of all the time spent together. Eating 30 minutes and doing housework together 24 minutes. I don't know. You'll have to work it out. But I can tell you this, the phone and the media and the TV and the, these things are huge distractions. Love 
is when you understand each other's silences. It's a quote I read and I thought I might add to it, love is also when you understand each other's crankiness. When you get why the other person's wound up. When you understand when to speak and when not. When you just understand how to handle it. Because if you understand, you know how to respond. One man said to have someone understand your mind is a different kind of intimacy. To give yourself to trying to understand how your partner thinks. What makes them tick. And so I close with meeting needs through understanding. Arguments happen when two people passionately defend themselves. Men and women, let me make the comment, we could preach on this a thousand times, men and women are different. They think differently. They view life differently. It's an error if you think to yourself, if only my spouse would listen to me, our marriage would work. The truth is they don't see it like you. They don't think like you. They have expectations that are different from you. In the book by Jimmy Evans, Marriage on the Rock, he says when spouses reject each other and call each other names, lives are damaged. The only way to successfully live with and love a spouse is to honor and accept the inherent differences, to realize my job is not to make you like me, to accept the inherent differences and meet the other's needs aggressively. When this is done, spouses can become best friends and intimate lovers. When this is not done, spouses become bitter rivals and mutual victims. So I close to understand needs and how to meet them. Uh, you know, there are, you, you know we, we, could, we, we could be here. This is a course of a lifetime. There's a lot of homework in this session, folks. A lot of go home and practice. A lot of go home and read. A lot of go home and pray. A lot of go home and think. A lot of go, a lot of go home and ask someone that might know. A lot of go home and say how, watch and learn and study and, and try to understand. There are many needs that perhaps our wives have. But the most basic need is one of security. We could talk about non-sexual affection. We could talk about the need of open communication. We could talk about the need of good leadership. But perhaps the most basic is for a wife to know that she's safe and that she's provided for. And that's more than just finances. For a wife to know that she is safe. She feels insecure when she senses that her husband is preoccupied, I'm not talking about for just moments, but is preoccupied or detached from her in some way. When a woman feels that her husband is detached, has given no, is not 
attached anymore to her needs, not tuned in to her concerns, he's preoccupied, she immediately feels unsafe and insecure. She blossoms fully in an atmosphere of praise and adoration. She wilts and dies in the presence of perpetual silence or criticism. So firstly, when you are detached, you're busy about everything else. When you talk, your mind is on everything else. You create an atmosphere in the home where she feels insecure. You're not tuned in to what she's feeling. A wife feels secure in an atmosphere of praise. That she's your champion. Not just about physical attributes, but about her heart her character, her motherhood, her cooking. When you speak words, you create a safe atmosphere. You must communicate your faithfulness. Adultery is not just a physical act, it's an attitude. Many men have never slept with a woman outside of marriage. Nevertheless, they may carry a spirit of unfaithfulness. There's just a sense. You must regularly show she's the only woman for you. She's the only one you desire. You do that by not comparing her to other women. Well, she did this and she did that. Oh, my brother. What is the matter with you? Especially your mother. Well, mum used to... What are you thinking? You sit Google-eyed to those movies that you watch. I'm not talking about pornography. I'm just talking about Hollywood. He doesn't know where you are. You communicate. A woman feels secure... When you're, when you're not detached, I know you get busy. I understand there are pressures that sometimes your mind is caught up with. But in some way, you have to constantly communicate that you are tuned in to what she's feeling. Create an atmosphere of praise. Communicate your faithfulness, the willingness, your phone's available, your time's available, where you are is known. It, 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 it's, it's something, uh, and then a dedication to provide financially. That you're praying about it. That you're taking responsibility for the bills. And there's something about how you spend and how you think that she feels protected. I remember Pastor Mitchell always teaching us that your wife is a reflection of you. And I want to say there are good men sitting here. And you're sitting here and maybe things have not gone quite as planned. You've entered in, you've got a heart for God. You want to do better. Deep down you feel like a failure. You've had bad experiences. Things have not gone always well for you with women. Growing up, 
there's issues. But I can tell you, you don't need to have a super brain to understand and give yourself to understanding. God wants to help you, sir. And if you will give yourself to this, you can have an absolutely blessed home. Let's bow our heads together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. A marital master's degree, success comes through study. Dwell with her with understanding. It's going to take thought. It's going to understand. And the first and the most basic need is I have to give myself to understanding how to create security for my wife. How she feels safe in my presence. How she feels safe at home. I'm tuned in. I know you're not always going to get it. You don't have to be perfect. But it does take a priority. You're caught up in everything else, sir. Your work, your games, your football, your whatever it is. And she feels alone. My brother, with a little bit of understanding, you can change that. Looking for words of praise, sending the text message, sending the emotion, sending just during the day, just connecting, thinking of you. Miss you. Words of praise. Security. To make it clear of your faithfulness. I want you to know you're the only woman for me. And that you're serious about finances. You don't have to earn a lot, but you have to, be, you have to take responsibility. To just spend without thought, to, to not care about the bills. To, I want to tell you, you make your wife very insecure. You wonder why this woman that looked you in the eye and vowed her life to you, you loved her, she loved you. Why now she's, whew, you don't get it. You think, you know, you're like, what has happened to her? Maybe she's just insecure. Maybe she's just insecure. She doesn't feel safe anymore. You say, God, I'm going to give myself. I'm speaking to the Christian brothers here, men here. Say, you know what, God, I'm going to give myself to this. And watching online, there are women here, God would speak to you. Far beyond what I've preached, maybe he's dropped things into your heart to build your home. But today's for the men. We're waiting in God's presence. I want to tell you with a little bit of understanding, life becomes different. 
And one of the greatest revelations you'll ever have is that unless you're born again, unless you've had an encounter with God, repented of your sin, you're very, very alone in this life. That you're you're living life not how it's supposed to be lived. Sin, when we sin against God, we bring shame, we, we bring complication to our lives, we bring burdens that we're not supposed to carry as human beings. Life gets very, very hard. The way of the wicked, it's hard. And you be honest and say, you know what, that's how I'm living. I, I, I live without God. I might acknowledge Him, I might believe in Him, but my life is not surrendered to Him. He's not become my Lord. I've not turned from my sin and given Him my life. But tonight I'm, I'm listening and I'm watching online or I'm here in the building and I know God is calling me to turn from my ways and to give my life to Him and ask Him to forgive me of all of my sins. And if you want that, He has a plan for your life. I want you to put your hand in the air. Say, Pastor, this is my first time here. I've been before. I need to get right with God. I tell you, God has things in place not to ruin your life, but to bless it. There are thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Don't do this. Don't live like that. It's not to ruin our fun. It's to save you from a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of confusion. And it separates you from God. And you'd say, you know what? I don't live like this anymore. I need to make a rededication. You once were a Christian, but you're off track. You know your way off. You left the way a long time ago. You need to come back to the Lord or you've never done this before and you're going to make a new decision. I want you to put your hand in the air. Say, Pastor, I want someone to pray with me. Men, women, young or old, God would speak to you. You'd say, that's me. I I need to make a rededication or, or for the first time. Give my life to the Lord. Anybody want us to pray for you? Come on, lift your hand up high if that's you. Let me see it. I'm not going to embarrass you. We'll have someone pray with you. Anyone at all? Last call. Then let's stand together. These altars are open. If you feel the need to pray or you want to just stand, we're going to worship our King. We're going to worship our God. Amen. We're going to make, men are going to come perhaps and say, God, I want to make my house safe. I'm going to dwell with understanding. I'm going to learn. I'm going to read. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to learn. I want to be the best husband. I want to create a a safe environment for my wife, a secure one. And maybe God's dealt with you and say, you know what, I'm just preoccupied. Her needs, I'm not really listening to. I, I've been caught up. I, God, I want to I learn. I want to hear. Maybe you're not quick with praise. I don't know. You, I'm not going to repeat the sermon. You're going to come and talk to the Lord. And you're going you're to dedicate. Amen. Praise the Lord. I fix my eyes on you. You're for all my faith, casting aside every sin and every way. Oh, bless these men, God. Blessings smiles on you. Father, those that God have lived in fear, those that feel overwhelmed, God, give them supernatural strength. Give them wisdom, God, beyond their years, supernatural grace. Bless these sisters, God. Bless them as they pray. 
Thank God, uh, ministering Holy Spirit. Uh, God, you're ministering under hearts of men. Bring revelation, uh, God, and a liberty and a plan and a purpose. Uh, bless these homes, Lord. Uh, 
Amen. God bless you. Let's bow our heads together. And we want to ask the Lord's blessing as we're dismissed. Reach out to someone around you. Be kind and uh, be a blessing. Uh, Delroy, why don't you pray? Ask the Lord's blessing if you wouldn't.